we continue on with just a few more chapters in the prophet Isaiah, where my goal is to help you to see a little, get a little bit familiar, more familiar with poetic kind of language, with prophetic type of language too, where God is using the prophets to be like the modern day preacher of that time, as well as predict and tell about the fact that, well, for God, it's not a prediction. God knows what's going to happen. Um, God's already there ahead of us. I was talking with somebody about that the other day. Um, to know that, uh, that nothing that happens to us in the future uh, is something God doesn't know about, and God's already there ahead of us, uh, can give us some confidence and peace, too. No wonder Jesus would say, don't worry about tomorrow. Um, today has enough trouble of its own. We can't change tomorrow. God already knows our tomorrow. He's ahead of us already. Um, he was thinking about our salvation before we even created the world. The Bible tells us he was thinking about sending Jesus or had the plan to send Jesus already. That ought to give us some confidence in how we live our life. We're always worried about the future. Um, let's look to the past and see God's faithfulness there. Let's witness his faithfulness and what he's done, and then know that God's not going to change. Remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, too. That's our hope and our confidence, so that's why we trust in him. Here in Isaiah, in the fifth gospel, if you will, the fifth gospel, if you will, in chapter 52, we've got some more gospel. Here's God crying out to his people, wake up, wake up and see me. Now, if you remember back in chapter 51, verse 9, uh, it was the people saying to God, God, awake, awake. It's like they think God's sleeping. God's not seeing what's going on. Now, we felt that way sometimes too. When when God doesn't act in my way, in the time I want him to, in the ways I want, we, we think God's asleep. I brought up yesterday about Jesus sleeping in the front of the boat. Um, as if he didn't know what was going on. The disciples say, don't you care if we drown here? Uh, we felt that way as well. Uh, but but the fact is, God is always awake. He's calling us to wake up and to look around. When we get caught up in our troubles, we get very much tunnel vision and, and short-sighted vision, and, and we don't look in, at the long story, and and we don't, um, we don't see what God's doing there. So God's calling us to be awake. He did it again in verse 17 of chapter 51, where he says, wake yourselves, wake yourselves, Stand up and see, and here's God calling again. This is the hound of heaven after us again, and he's calling us. So, so he says, what's he say to do? When you wake up, see the light here, put put on your strength, those eyes, put on your beautiful garments. Now, you think about the garments that the priests wore, and the priests wore those garments similar to where I, where I wear the robe to remind you of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to remind you of God's presence, to remind you of my role, the priest's role, that they're standing between God and you. They're offering your sacrifices up to God, and there's where your forgiveness is at. So when, when we play a sport, for instance, we put on a uniform to remind us of who we are, remind others of who we are. A police officer, a, a fireman, wear those uniforms for the same reason, so that when you see them coming, you go, the police are here, I'm going to find help, or the firemen are here, I'm going to find help. Well, we have a garment, too, and it's the garment of the robe of Christ's righteousness. It's that, that garment that covers up. When we do a baptism, uh, uh, oftentimes churches do it, we do it, too, where we put this white robe over this baby, this white uh, uh, gown uh, over the baby to show you that, that that baby is covered now through baptism in the robe of Christ's righteousness. On the other end of life, when we have a funeral, one of the customs is to use a funeral pall, a white pall that goes over the casket, remind us of the garment of Christ's righteousness. While there's a dead body underneath this, God's done something about it, and one day he's going to raise this body too. So that funeral pall takes our eyes off, the, it makes our, our minds and our eyes not think as much about that dead body, but about the resurrection that comes in in Jesus Christ. So it's a beautiful garment. 
Um, and what's he say? Look around you, verse two, shake yourselves from the dust and arise. So they put the sackcloth and ashes on. Finally, they've repented. They've covered themselves in that. And now God says, now that you've repented, you know, come to me, come to me. I'm going to loose your bonds. Look at that verse two. Now I know that's referring partly in Isaiah's time to the fact that the children of Israel had disobeyed God. They'd been taken into captivity. They were in bonds. God's going to deliver them and bring them out. But I got to believe there's a reference to, to the fact that when we're baptized, when we, when a Jesus Christ comes into us through our baptism, when we believe in him, the bonds of our sin are loosed as well. That's a favorite New Testament reference that forgiveness is like being set free, the bonds, the shackles being taken off. Um, for here, why, why can we say that? For thus says the Lord, verse 3, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. Now, without money doesn't mean that we're, uh, that we're worthless, uh, but it means actually the opposite. We are priceless and there's no amount of money that can buy us. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I think of Luther's words in the second article of the Apostles' Creed, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood. Um, here's uh, here's where that comes from. Um, verse 4, he reminds them that they went away. They were taken away into captivity to Egypt and then to the Assyrians. Uh, but God is going to uh, God is going to take their rulers down. And then in the end, verse 6, therefore my people shall know my name. Don't you love that? In the benediction, the end of the benediction says God's going to put his name on us. And so, and we will know who he is, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, therefore, in that day, uh, they shall know that it is I who speak, here am I. Again, present tense, here am I. God is with us right now. And then the rest of the chapter goes into this beautiful quote, or beautiful part that Paul quotes in the New Testament when he talks about the gospel in Romans. You know, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And when you hear that word good news, you hear gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. It's salvation later on in that verse. Your God reigns. He's king of kings. On Easter morning, where's the body of Jesus Christ? He's alive. He's not in that tomb. Um, he's risen from the dead. What does that bring for us? Verse 9, the Lord comforts his people. How does he comfort them? He's redeemed them. He's bought them back, and he comforts them because he's bared his holy right arm. While on the cross, it looked like Jesus was dying, like he was weak. On Easter morning, he's alive. He's bared his power over the devil, over death, over hell, um, and we receive that, that victory from him. So um, how does that happen? Well, verse 13 really leads us into chapter 53 because it talks about his servant. How is God going to bring his salvation? He's going to bring it by his servant. Who's that servant ultimately, capital S? It's Jesus Christ. And he's going to come and act wisely. Verse 14, when they first saw Jesus, they go, who is this guy? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Don't we know his mothers and his brothers? They're astonished by the appearance of him. If this is God, if he's going to save us, how's he going to do that? Well, he's going to astonish people. Jesus does. He's going to amaze people. Verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. That word sprinkle can also be translated as, uh, as startle or amaze people. He certainly is because this one who dies on the cross, who looks like he dies in weakness again on Easter morning, he's coming alive. Um, so that's going to lead us right into chapter 53 for tomorrow, for Saturday. So God bless you um, as you continue to read.